Find handy if you have a, a copy of the bulletin, you'll need that as we work through uh, some of our thoughts for this evening. There are going to be uh, several passages that we'll look at that we'll consider, uh, but hopefully it's something that maybe piqued your interest a little bit. If you were here this morning and you saw saw the outline, as we think about things that are pertinent for us to study, things that are encouraging for us to study, I'm all the time trying to uh, listen to things, trying to read articles, you know, keep myself updated and, and find other things that are helpful for me, and if it's helpful for me, chances are someone else might benefit from this. Uh, one of the preachers that uh, I share from uh, from time to time is our brother Wes McAdams that preaches out in the area of Texas. He has a website that he runs uh, called Radically Christian. He's written several books, uh, does a lot of good things, but he also has a, a podcast if you enjoy that sort of thing, or if you're like me, uh, a lot of times his podcast, at least even currently, he'll record, do it in a video format, uh, and I like watching sometimes as much as I like listening, so it's fun to be able to listen to what he's saying, but also to, to watch him have interaction with someone. And for whatever reason, probably because I frequent his information from time to time, it popped up on my feed this week, whether it was on uh, YouTube or social media, that he had done a podcast with, with someone, that I think, there from the congregation where he preaches. And it was entitled, you know, what do we do with karma, essentially, or this idea that we've kind of promoted tonight, thinking about the topic of karma. And when you think about something like this, some people might say, well, that, that's, what does that have to do with the Bible? Why, why would we spend time thinking about that? Others might say, well, you know, that's really interesting, and I'd like to know a little more about that. Does the Bible speak about that? And in particular, we're going to come back around, hopefully, by the end of the lesson and make this point, but in particular, it's probably more than likely a good opportunity for us to be informed what the Bible has to say about matters such as this so that then we can then talk to others. When someone says something, it might be a chance for us to say, well, you know, maybe you should consider this instead of saying that. Or, you know, the Bible doesn't really say that, but, but it does say this. I, I don't expect you to be, and I wasn't before this week, and trying to do some studying and, and listening to what was presented and, and looking at some other sources, but, but I don't know that I could have made an argument for or against karma or told you what the Bible has to say about it. But I did think as I was studying it that, you know, it's probably helpful. Because a lot of people, even if they don't believe in it wholeheartedly, as we're going to talk about in just a minute with kind of the background of it, they, it is something that they, they toss out from time to time. And, and whether they mean it or not, maybe it's going to be beneficial for us to consider for just a moment this idea of karma. The word itself actually means action, work, or deed. Just simply means action, work, or deed. If you just kind of Google, you know, Google the word karma, I like the definition that first popped up, and I'm not sure exactly its source, but it, was, it read this way that it is the sum of a person's actions in this, and listen carefully, in this and previous states of existence viewed as deciding their fate in future existences. Now, there's some interesting things there if you were able to catch it, this and past existence and a future existence. Well, it's going to help us to understand tonight that, that the actual idea of karma, besides the way that we talk about it, that we kind of use it even flippantly maybe, it's really believed by, by Buddhists and Hindus. And it's a part of their belief. I don't claim to be an expert in those matters and those studies, but those are the folks that will primarily uh, tell you that that's what they believe because they believe in past and current and even future uh, existences that we might have. 
And so uh, I'm accused sometimes of going through the slides too fast. I'm trying to give you a minute to spell Hinduism and, and Buddhism there. But, but you understand, even if you don't know much like me about those, uh, those types of ideas or those so-called religions, you understand that, that um, their belief system sometimes goes far beyond what we you know, think and what we believe the Bible has to say. And so ultimately, it's the idea or primarily deals with reincarnation. As we talk about past existence or a future existence that may come, I really, part of me, to be honest with you, part of me didn't want to delve into it too much because I thought I probably could have spent all week and find out all kinds of things like, am I going to die and come back as a cow or, you know, something like that. The way these different things are believed, I don't know. And I probably could have really uh, gone down the rabbit hole and, and not had a chance to study anything else this week. But, but we understand that some people believe in reincarnation. And, and I also read that it was stated this way, that it's the good intent and good deeds that contribute to good karma and happier rebirths. So again, reincarnation. Or that the, the bad intent and the bad deeds that we do contribute to bad karma and sadder or worse rebirths. Now, that's kind of interesting, and again, you could probably spend many days upon days researching and finding out more about uh, Hinduism and Buddhism and thinking about reincarnation, but for our purposes tonight, we really want to think about what we mean when we talk about karma, and that is a lot of times people say, well, that's karma, and they're talking about the idea of what goes around comes around. Now, some people, when they use this word, an informal definition would be the idea of destiny or fate. Maybe even. And, and I didn't, again, just for the sake of time, wasn't able to go too far into those ideas. I think they could be connected, but, but somewhat different depending on who you talk to. Uh, but, but destiny or fate or what comes around or what goes around comes around. Or as some people might say, and this was one thing that was interesting listening to these two brothers discuss it. They were kind of coming up with, with phrases that they've either heard or that people kind of use when they're talking about this idea they said, or it might be someone saying this, what I'm suffering right now might be the universe punishing me for something bad I did. That's kind of what people mean sometimes when they say karma. What I'm suffering now currently might be the universe punishing me for something bad I did. And really, I think what's interesting, and once again, this might be another offshoot that we could study for a different time, but for some people, what it really is with that idea of what I'm going through right now is maybe it is an attempt to explain evil, pain, suffering, and heartbreak that we go through. Uh, we talk about that with our apologetics, the idea of evil, pain, and suffering. Why does a good God allow people to suffer? And that's a struggle. I look around this room and I think about you and, and your families and your situations and, and others who aren't with us this evening, but, but we struggle, we suffer, and we look for just a, a logical conclusion. This has got to be what it is. And so for some people, that's what they say, and maybe when they say, well, this is just karma, I don't know that they're trying to be maybe against what the Bible is saying, but it's sort of that yearning, that reaching to make an explanation for what it is that's going on for their pain and their suffering. In connection with that, let me say, if I could admit, I think that it's a very naturalistic thought. It's a very human thought. It makes sense for us naturally. I do something good, and usually I receive good things, or I do something bad, and then there's some type of punishment or suffering that comes along with it. We really like that idea. It makes the world make perfect sense. 
It doesn't explain the, the hurricanes that come through. It doesn't explain the earthquakes. It doesn't explain the children who suffer. But very often for us, we can put our suffering in a nice little box, a nice little package, and it's kind of naturalistic to think in this sense. So I think that's something that we could consider. But one other note here before we kind of get into some biblical points uh, karma is not the idea or what people mean or maybe what they're trying to say karma is not the idea of our behavior having natural consequences let me say that again because i think this is a key point karma is not the idea of our behavior having natural consequences there's a couple of really just plain examples for you number one if i step off of a 10-story building gravity's naturally going to work, right? Uh, and again, that's, that's horrible to think about, but that's what's going to happen. It is a natural consequence of the behavior. We think most people wouldn't do that, of course, just naturally step off of a building. But yes, yeah, sometimes uh, there is cause and effect. Cause and effect is not the idea of karma. Let me give you another example. If you kick a dog and that dog bites you, that's not karma, right? That's a cause and effect. That's a natural consequence of your behavior. But in trying to draw these two sides here, what some people would say if they're talking about karma is they would say, well, you know, I was walking down the road, a dog ran up and bit me, so I must have told a lie 10 years ago, and that's, that's what karma is here. It's coming back to get me because of something I did, did 10 years ago. Now, one way that I heard it described on the podcast I was listening to, and I almost, I meant to put a slide together, but it's kind of like what we do sometimes is, again, I kick a dog and the dog bites me, I can draw an arrow or draw a line and connect those dots, dots. But what we do sometimes is we have all these dots, all these points in our life, and we take one here and a dog bit me and we come up and we come down and we go around and we come back and say, oh, I told a lie when I was a kid and that must be karma, that must be the universe. That's maybe a little bit of a silly way to think about it too, but that's kind of what the idea of karma is for some people. When we think about cause and effect, if you have your Bibles, look at Proverbs chapter 23. We are going to talk about some scripture here, don't worry. Proverbs chapter 23, scripture actually says a ton. We don't even have time tonight. Scripture says a ton about cause and effect. But, but even then, it's not 100%. Let me give you an example. Proverbs 23 and verse number 21. The Bible says, the proverb says, For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. But think about the first part. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. We might say that's cause and effect. If you spend your life in gluttony or in drunkenness, chances are good you're going to end up in poverty. That's just one place. We could go all through the Proverbs and even into the New Testament and think about how the Bible talks about cause and effect. But let me ask you this, or let me make the point again. Even then, it's not 100%. A person who goes out on Friday night and gets drunk gets in their car when they shouldn't, obviously driving drunk, and makes the five-minute trip home and doesn't have an accident, doesn't hurt anybody, and gets home and goes inside, well, somebody might say, well, why weren't they punished? Why, why, why didn't they have problems? Why didn't they fall into poverty? Well, even though Scripture talks about cause and effect, it's not always 100% uh, you know, of the time. 
It's not that every time we do something, we immediately suffer the punishment. Sometimes we get away with it. In fact, that's what Charles was talking to us about this morning in our auditorium class, studying the book of 2 Peter there, thinking about the idea that God, through his patience, allows us time. And we should be thankful for that, although what I'm afraid of is that often when we have time and we're not receiving punishment, then we say, well, maybe I can get away with it a little longer. Or maybe that's okay because God's not come back yet. Jesus has not come back yet. God's not punished me yet. That's what we think sometimes. But Scripture does say a lot about cause and effect, and cause and effect is not karma. Neither is the, the natural consequences of our behavior sometimes. So let's think about the New Testament for just a minute. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Somebody says, well, wait a minute. What about cause and effect? We read that in the New Testament, right? The Bible speaks about this. This is karma. What goes around comes around, that we reap what we sow. Galatians 6, beginning in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. We do reap what we sow. That is the way that life goes sometimes. But one thing that we want to notice about this particular passage and cause and effect is that we do reap what we sow. But the point of this passage and the idea, of course, of God's Word is that it deals in eternity. It deals with eternal things. But put a pause there for just a second. And, and let's go maybe a little further, or go think about it a little more. There are benefits to living faithfully to God right now. Right? I mean, we reap what we sow. There are benefits to being faithful to God now. One of those would say contentment. We talked about this in, in our youth devo last night, but with God on our side, serving him, we should have contentment. That's a benefit to serving God, to doing good. We also have satisfaction sometimes in helping others. We're thankful for the opportunities we have to help one another, to help those who are less fortunate. And so we get satisfaction from that. That's a benefit. You know, one of the things that I was thinking is, is about less stress. If you are a Christian and you are faithfully following the word of God and you're doing things like not getting drunk every weekend, not running from the cops because you're constantly breaking the law in some form or fashion, your life just seems to be a little happier, right? I mean, it's kind of silly to think about, but when you're not stressed out by either doing sinful things or, you know, being disobedient, your life's just kind of better. I'm sure there are studies that are done that show maybe how much healthier Christians usually are because they're simply living good lives, not consuming the sinful things, not living this, this radical, crazy lifestyle that sometimes can wear a body and a person out, but there's just simply less stress. So there are benefits but there is also life eternally. We reap what we sow, but as it says here, when we sow to the Spirit, we will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. You know, we know that Paul says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. That sounds a little bit like what we're talking about here, right? That, that we reap what we sow, we are sinful people, and the wages of sin is death. But again, think about it, not every time, not every single time, and most of us are thankful for that, right? I mention that from time to time. I'm kind of glad that the first time after I was baptized that, that I didn't get struck dead, you know, the first time I messed up. We're thankful that not every time that we sin is the wages death immediately. Well, what's the point then? Eternally. 
eternally. The wages of sin is death, and we think about the same thing when it comes to what we reap and what we sow. We don't do good things. We don't do good things so that we have cars or houses. We don't do good things simply so that our career will be better or so that we won't get cancer, as if we could do that. But we do these things so that we can be faithful to God, and then we can follow up on his promises and enjoy his promises and that doesn't mean a perfect happy happy life all the time here but it means a home in heaven with no more death no more sorrow no more suffering that's what we're talking about that's what we're looking for all right so what are some of the problems you say well okay what about it then karma good bad what does the bible have to say we've touched on it a little bit but i would submit for your thinking tonight that if you're going to walk around all the time talking about karma's this karma's that that's karma there are some problems, especially when we come to the Bible. Number one, it undermines forgiveness. It undermines forgiveness. Well, what do we mean? Someone says this. They say, I have cancer. Well, do you think that is because I stole from a store 20 years ago? And most of us would say, well, no. I mean, that's, that's, that's not it at all. You know, if you stole something 20 years ago, then that, that wouldn't be why you have cancer. That goes back to the connecting the dots. You know, somebody doesn't say, well, that's a straight line there. It kind of, you have to go a circular route to get there. But when we think about God's forgiveness, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, as God in Christ forgave you. Not only that, but we think about Ephesians 1 and verse number 3, that all spiritual blessings are in Christ. If God has forgiven us and we can have all spiritual blessings, go further though. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 that we usually mention. That the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin if we walk in the light as he is in the light. If we have that forgiveness, then I think this idea of karma kind of undermines that. Let's go a little further. Number one, think about this. We do sin. Right, We would all say that. Some form or another, maybe not you know, every moment of every day, we might say, well, we're not the worst sinner. No, but, but we all sin in our lives. So we, we do sin. Or certainly, let's even go back and talk about before our, our baptism, before we were baptized for the remission of sins and add to the church. We, we were sinners. We're baptized for the remission of sins. God forgives us. Our sins are washed away at that point. Now, Kind of 2A is we may serve earthly consequences, right? We've talked about this before. If you murdered someone, that, that was the sin that you had committed there at that moment, you know, you may still have to face jail time. You may still have to suffer earthly consequences. But if you murdered someone, then you were baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You sinned, but God still forgives you. But then think about this idea of karma would say that God is punishing you for your sins. That doesn't make sense. If God has forgiven you, then God isn't punishing you for your sins if you are forgiven. And so for somebody to say, well, my problems now are because God is punishing me, then we've got a problem with forgiveness. On the surface, it's easy to think about it this way, that good and bad happen and that there are consequences. But do we really believe that the good things are owed to us? Think about that on the other hand. We talk about the suffering, but what about the good things? On the surface, we say good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. Okay, got that. But do we really believe then that the good things that we do are owed to us? Or do we believe in the grace of God? Because you see, it really undermines the gospel 
when you talk about karma in that way because I believe, as I believe the Bible teaches, that the good things that I have, they're by the grace of God. I'm not good enough. I try my best to be good. I try my best to do what's right. But the good things that I have, the blessed man that I consider myself to be, it's by the grace of God. And I think that it undermines forgiveness and it undermines the gospel when we think about karma in that kind of way. Number two, going on with problems. Let's think about the idea that it puts our trust in ourselves. It puts our trust in ourselves. Again, somebody might say, your good behavior is going to ensure your good outcomes. I mean, that sounds good to some people, but is it truly bi biblical? One of my favorite passages, I used to have it, uh, it put up on next to my computer screen at work, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. You see, karma would say, well, it's me. I put my trust in myself. It's what I do. I know what's best, and my good behavior is going to ensure that I have good outcomes. The Proverbs writer says, trust in the Lord, the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So I'm afraid that this idea of karma would again be that we got, we've got it figured out and what we do is what helps us. Kind of connected to the first thing, but it's not by God's help or God's grace. It's not putting our trust in him. It's not leaning on him, but it's leaning on me. And I think that's a bit of a problem if we're really going to go, go into this wholeheartedly. And again, I want to come back to that idea in just a, a moment of what we say and what we mean sometimes. But one problem is it puts our trust in ourselves. Number three, it probably means that we are not willing to turn loose of control. You know, we say, well, it's either my fault that this has happened or it's my reward. Karma trusts ourselves with the future. But the gospel is about trusting God with the future. Again, think about Galatians chapter 6 and verses 7 through 8 there that we talked about. We sow to the Spirit, and from the Spirit we reap eternal life. I trust in God to judge. Kind of like the parables that we've even been talking about on Sunday mornings here in our lessons a little bit. But it's not so much that I've got it all figured out, that I'm the righteous judge, but I trust God. That when he tells me if I will be obedient, then I can have a home in heaven. When Jesus says, I am going to prepare a place for you, I know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I can have that if I put my trust in God. If I sow to the Spirit and from the Spirit reap eternal life. Sometimes we're not willing to turn loose of control. I have that problem again, just as much as anybody, of wanting everything to be just like I like it and just the order that I want the way that I want it to be. Doesn't mean we just kind of live life just open and free all the time. But sometimes when we focus on something like karma, it simply means that we are trusting too much in ourselves and we are trying to keep control. Let's think about a few biblical examples here this evening as we begin to conclude. Of course, you got to talk about Job, right, when it comes to this idea. You know, one thing that, again, this podcast in particular mentioned that I thought was very interesting is it is possible certainly possible, that Job might have even believed in this idea just a little bit. And let me explain before I, you think I'm, I'm stepping out too far here. But it might be possible 
that, that he believed a little bit in this idea or a similar kind of idea. Because he says, as these things are happening, essentially he says, this is the way that things have always worked. Why are they not working this way anymore? I mean, you know, I've been faithful to God. I've offered the sacrifices. I've done what I should do. This is the way things have always worked. So what's happened now? And, of course, that's where his friends step in and his friends step in and say, oh, no, no, it's still working the same way. You've done something. God is punishing you. God is showing you that you did wrong. And, of course, the book of Job, even as we talked about it recently, doesn't exactly give us this great, perfect, concise answer but we do come to understand that karma is not it, right? It's not that Job sinned or did something wrong that he was punished. We don't always understand evil, pain, and suffering. It doesn't always make sense in our human minds. And the book of Job helps us with that a little bit. But it is kind of interesting to consider that just maybe that's what Job is saying is, I've always done right. Things have always worked out right. What's changed? And his friends say, well, it's because you've sinned and this is karma maybe essentially coming back to get you because God's showing you that you were wrong, but that's, that's not it at all. What about the Apostle Paul? We mentioned the book of Philippians this morning in our lesson for just a few moments, but when we think about Philippians, when Paul is writing the book of Philippians, he is in prison. He is suffering. He is writing from a prison cell or from house arrest, more than likely, but he never says I am in prison because I persecuted Christians. We don't read that in his epistles. He doesn't say, well, I'm here because I did all those bad things and now I'm receiving the punishment. In fact, he looks at it as an opportunity. He says it's because of God's grace that I'm in prison and I can do these things. It's not punishment, but it's something good. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 12, he even goes further. Philippians 1.12 to say that the things which happened to me have actually turned out to the furtherance of the gospel. I have reached more people because I am suffering and in prison, rather than the idea that I'm being punished. So it's kind of interesting to consider that, you know, Paul didn't think about it that way. It wasn't karma, but it was an opportunity to serve God. And we're going to come back to that as well very quickly here in just a moment. And then think about Jesus. There's not a whole lot to say here, because we could probably say a whole lot if we had the time. But... He suffered his entire life, did he not, essentially? Yet he was perfect. He wasn't being punished for something that he had done. And I know some people will say, well, he, he was the son of God. You know, he's God on earth. And, okay, we, we might could, could talk about that. But, but, yes, Jesus suffered his entire life. And it, it wasn't for anything he had done. It wasn't for a previous life. He was still perfect. I didn't get this into a slide, but it's something that I, I want to share with you before we make our last point here. Three things when something bad happens, all right? Because that's kind of what this is about. Karma and sometimes bad things happen. So when something bad happens, think about three things. Number one, is this a natural consequence of something I did? This kind of deals maybe even more so from karma, but just when sometimes when things go wrong and we are looking for this reason, you know, somebody said, well, when I connect the dots, sometimes I reach backward in life to connect those dots and I look for a natural consequence but sometimes we reach back and we look for a supernatural consequence and that's when the problem kind of starts coming in again I have cancer and it's because I, I stole something you know 20 years ago that's it's kind of reaching for a supernatural thing as opposed to natural so number one when something bad happens maybe we should consider is this a natural consequence of something I did 
why, oh why, God, am I in jail? Well, it's because you stole something, right? A natural consequence. Number two, is this just the fact that we live in a broken and, and a fallen kind of world, people say? When something bad happens, is this just the fact that we live in a broken and fallen kind of world? One thing that, that Wes used in his podcast was he kind of has a fear of, of losing his voice, like physically you know, losing his voice where he couldn't preach anymore. And he says, you know, that's a very real fear I have sometimes. And I reckon preachers may go through that because, you know, we use our voice and we speak. And so the idea of using our voice would be kind of weird to think about, kind of, you know, what would I do then? You know what came to my mind? And we talked about, I talked about this morning with somebody, but could Don Blackwell not say the same thing? I mean, I know he has his life and he still has the ability that he does have, but could he not look at his particular situation and say, you know, why God? Well, this is just a broken world. Things unfortunately happen. Even accidents, even accidents to good people happen. And we, we wonder and we do kind of shake our fists sometimes and think about why, but it's just a broken kind of world. What happens if I lose the function of my whole body and I'm not able to do the things I once did? Well, sometimes that's not because I stole something 20 years ago, but it's just the way the world works in this world that we live in. But number three, is this an opportunity for God to be glorified in me? Is this an opportunity for God to be glorified in me? And the answer to that, by the way, is yes. Whatever it is, yes. Think about somebody like Don Blackwell. Think about somebody, a preacher who loses his voice but goes on, then maybe begins to write more and share in that kind of way. Yes, whatever it is that's wrong, the suffering that you're going through, the bad things that happen, is it an opportunity for God to be glorified in me? Yes. You know, another example that kind of popped into my mind was the tragic accident that happened a year or two ago with Botham Jean, the young man in Texas that was a Harding University graduate that was shot by the police officer in his apartment, if you remember that. And all I can think about as I think about the conclusion of that story is that a a young man, a a song leader in a congregation who had his life ahead of him is dead and gone and taken from his family. But yet his family had an opportunity on national television to offer forgiveness. His younger brother had a chance to go over across the courtroom and hug that young lady on national television. And try to take an opportunity to show the world that this is an awful, tragic thing. And I could not bring my brother back, but I have an opportunity to show forgiveness to somebody. Whatever it is, when something bad happens, is it an opportunity for God to be glorified in me? You know, that's what James says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It used to be my favorite passage growing up. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why, James? How is it that I can glory in suffering? Because God can be glorified in the things that I go through. Or one more passage. What about John chapter 9? John chapter 9 may have been the place that you thought we might go to, and we're going to touch on it just very quickly right here. But it's in John chapter 9, beginning in verse number 1, that as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Do you remember that question? Because that's kind of this idea here, this idea of karma. Who was it? Somebody must have done something wrong. And remember, these Jews would have had the book of Job. And they're still not getting it. They're still looking around them confused about whether or not karma is a thing, even if they don't use that particular term. 
You know, good things to, to good people, bad things to bad people. If, if that's it, if, if that's the way it is, and that's kind of what the idea that they're putting forth here, well, that works for a 40-year-old that goes blind, you know? A 40-year-old just loses their sight, and we can look back and say, well, maybe, you know, they were, bad, they were a bad person, and now they're blind. But what about a baby? What about a child who was born blind, who didn't do anything, who didn't do anything? Sometimes is an opportunity for God to be glorified. It's hard to look at that in the moment when we're suffering, but I think it's true, and it's something we should consider both when good things happen and bad things. So what's the point, preacher? Why do we spend 30 minutes talking about this? I would encourage you with two thoughts, and I really only have one on the slide here, but I want to add one. Number one, words matter. Christians should be careful what they say and the words they use. We talked about this last Sunday night, if you were with us, with the word hell. Uh, you know, I would be very careful. I would caution you to be careful when you say, well, this, this was hell. I was going through hell here on earth because I, I would probably agree with you that it's a bad situation but I would also agree that's a bit, little bit misleading if you think about what the Bible says about hell I know that karma is sometimes just a, a quick word we toss out it just kind of explains maybe just what happened it can almost be humorous in a situation you know somebody calls you a name they're walking across the kitchen they stub the toe on the edge of those cabinets you know you know that's karma you know I, I get it we're just joking I don't I, I know, know that happens but I would caution you just to be careful with the words you use. Maybe it's something that we try to get out of our vocabulary as much as possible because we don't want to be, be misleading. But here's number two. Number two, maybe just maybe you'll have an opportunity to talk to somebody about Bible things when we think about things that way. I, I don't mean that maybe you're going to baptize every person that you hear use the word karma. But if you think about it, it's an, a situation maybe at work or with a friend or somewhere where when somebody says something like this, you can take a moment just to plant a seed. And, you know, we talked about that in our, our class on Wednesday night, that uh, the idea that sometimes we get caught up on our board over here talking about how many people we have here, and maybe sometimes we would do better to, to maybe keep up with how many seeds we had planted in the last week. That's all we're saying. Plant a seed. Maybe you'll have an opportunity to teach someone just by understanding something like karma and what the Bible actually has to say. As we conclude tonight, the question is, how are you thinking? You see, I think the problem with karma is, and we've already touched on it, is karma is me-centered. It, it's person-centered. It's self-centered because it's what I do. And I earn what I earn, and it's what I do. But what the Bible has to talk about is it's God-centered. So how are you thinking tonight? Are you thinking simply about yourself? Or are you thinking about what God has done and can do and will do and has promised to do? And as we conclude our lesson tonight, that's the encouragement that we'll give to you as we're about to sing this song of invitation. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not a child of God. Maybe this has stirred you to think about biblical things. We'll be singing to encourage you that maybe you would become a Christian even this night. Or maybe you've done that. And this is one of those situations where some people say, well, you know, I don't, I don't believe in karma, so I'm, I can't respond. Maybe there's simply something else amiss in your life tonight and you would need to make it right. We don't want you to leave worried about uh, what would happen if your life were to be required or if Jesus were to return. We simply want you to leave with the peace that you have, the knowledge that you can know that you have a home in heaven, being faithful to him. If you need something else, maybe prayers to the congregation to help you through the struggles of this life, we're thankful for this opportunity even now. And you can make whatever it is known as we stand together and as we sing. What can...
nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is 